0: Hey, everybody. Uh, This will be a pretty quick uh, podcast. Just want to talk very quickly about the breakdown of the test. Um, You'll have two sections. You have the multiple choice section and the free response. Okay. Uh, The multiple choice will be the first thing you do, and it's 55 questions. And uh, it's typically going to be broken down into an individual question, or you might see some stimulus questions that have two to four questions that go with the, the piece of stimulus. righty. Uh, they, and when I say they, the College Board says there's four types of questions, quantitative analysis, text-based analysis, visual source analysis, and then individual choice questions, okay? Uh, real quick, the quantitative analysis, uh, there are five sets, two to three questions per set, and each set includes some data, basically, looking at graphs, charts, tables, maps, things like that, and you pull in information from the data into your answer. So a lot of times uh, for those, it's not necessarily knowing the content, obviously that helps, but it's going to be mainly being able to pull from the data. The text-based analysis, there are two sets with three to four questions per set, and uh, one set will include a foundational document as a stimulus, and the other set includes a stimulus, uh, like a primary or secondary text based source. So, what that means is all those documents you've been looking at throughout the course Fed 70, Fed 10, Constitution, articles, all those things, that'll be something will be pulled from there and you'll answer some questions about that. And then something else, another another document that you, you don't, maybe you didn't, you don't even know exists, maybe uh, might be pulled. The visual source, there's three sets and two questions per set, and each set includes one visual stimulus, including a map, image, cartoon, and or infographic. So um, that's, you know, uh, similar to the quantitative analysis where you're going to be looking at something and you're going to be making some decisions based on what you're seeing. And then finally is the individual multiple choice questions. There's about 30 of those, and there are no stimulus. It's just uh, kind of content-based. Here's the the thing. <laughs> that's a really scientific thing there, the thing. But uh, anyways, uh, those are just going to kind of be your regular questions. Okay. So that's the multiple choice part. Now the free response, <clears throat> there are four questions, four types of questions, and um, they are each weighted equally. So this is 50-50. All right. So uh, multiple choice, 50%, free response, 50%. Uh, the first question is a concept of analysis, concept, application, however you want to say it, and you're going to be presented with some kind of scenario. It is going to be something that's real, authentic, okay, and you're going to be looking at um, describing and explaining effects of a political institution, behavior process, something like that, and uh, they are looking for your ability to transfer understanding of course concepts and apply them in a new situation or scenario, all right? Uh, I would <coughs> recommend looking at some of the old, you know, all the, all the FRQs are released. So this this new process started in 2018. So take a look at some of the old released uh, questions. Also look at AP Classroom. You should have some um, concept analysis ones there. Um, For us, we did a amendment one where you're given the scenario about an amendment and then you had to answer some questions about that, the process, and then uh, make some decisions about it. All right. Uh, The second type is the quantitative one. So they really want you to be looking at data and that's what the quantitative analysis one does. You will be given a data set, whether it is a graph, a chart, infographic, map, whatever. It's going to be something that you pull information from. Okay. A lot of times with this one, you're going to be asked to describe the data that's presented. So it might be as simple as talking about some of the percentages you see, if it's some kind of chart or graph or something like that, okay? Then they're going to be looking for a pattern, for you to describe a pattern, trend, um, something that you see, whether it's a similarity or a difference, and then draw a conclusion on that, all right? And then... Uh, explain how the data demonstrated a political principle, institution process, policy, or behavior. One of the big hangups I see people having for this one, a lot of times they can very easily and quickly pull the information for the first prompt. I can see it, it's there. The problem people run into is sometimes is the conclusion. What they're asking you for with this part, when they ask you to to come up with a conclusion from the data you pulled, What could be happening? And it's not necessarily a black and white answer. There's maybe not an answer in the data. It's something you have to kind of think about. Well, this was happening. What in our course concepts could have caused that to happen? All right, so uh, just don't get get tripped up there. And then usually the final one is gonna be to explain the process. That's where you're gonna pull some of your content knowledge and uh, explain what's going on. Once again, take a look at some of the old questions. You take some time, Google those. Go to your AP classroom, look at some of the old uh, FRQs that we did there, and uh, you just so you have an idea so you can visualize what, what we're talking about here. Uh, the next one is the Supreme Court case comparison. Uh, for this one, you're going to be given a description of a non-required court case. So you're going to get a court case that has nothing to do, I should say that, that's going to not be something we have talked about in class. Now, we talked about quite a few court cases beyond those that were required. So maybe, hopefully, it's something you're familiar with, something we talked about. But chances are it's not, because the, the last couple of years, it's not been something that that is widely, widely spoken about uh, in class. Anyways, they're going to give you all the information you need about that court case. So they don't expect you to... to somehow know this court case <clears throat> that you've never heard of. They're going to give you a breakdown of the court case, and then they're going to ask you to compare it to one of the 15. They'll give you a specific one uh, to compare it to, all right? Um, you're going to be asked to identify a similarity or difference between the the non-required case and the case that you're expected to know. That's typically going to be the easiest part um, a couple of years ago, when it was the Brown versus Board case, you just had to write equal protection clause. You've just had to write the Sixth Amendment. All right. So, <clears throat> pulling, here's what I see happening with the scenario they gave me and what they told me about that court case. And then here's what I know about the other court case. Here's some similarities. Then you describe the details, reasoning, or holding of the required case specified in the question. So, hey, what are the similarities? <clears throat> what do you see for A? Then for B, it's going to ask you to describe the Supreme Court case that you're supposed to know, one of the 15. Uh, Then you have to explain a similarity or difference in the reasonings or holding of the two Supreme Court cases. Typically, that's going to be all in B. So, hey, describe the Supreme Court case, then tell me about some of the differences or similarities. It might be a, a B only, or it might be B and C. It just depends on how they wanted to break the question up. And then finally, you're going to explain how the reasoning or holding in the non-required Supreme Court cases demonstrates a political principle, institution, process, policy, or behavior. When I've graded them, this has been the the hardest thing for people to do because they just want to focus on the court case only, but this is going to ask you to kind of switch gears a little bit and ask you what can something else, what can another part of the course, interest groups, political parties, uh, Congress, whoever, what could they do with this decision? And so you have to think a little bit. So uh, A and B, you probably will be able to go through pretty quickly. Uh, However, that final point, take your time and really, really think about what could, what are some possibilities uh, for this. All right. And then finally, you got the argumentative essay. And this is the longest one. All right. So, and I say longest, uh, it kind of asks for the most details, so it, it might take a little bit longer than, than the other ones. Um, but the first thing it's going to ask you to do is to art- articulate a defensible claim or thesis that responds to the question and establishes a line of reasoning. If you hear nothing else, and I know this is buried 90 minutes in, but if you hear nothing else about the FRQs, please remember this. The argumentative essay, you must, 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 give the reader that defensible claim and a line of reasoning. If you don't give them something like that, then you're not going to get credit for this question basically because most of the rubrics are set up at least the past few years that I've graded these things. Most of them are set up to where if you don't write a thesis with a defensible claim, you can't get points for B, C, D, however many prompts there are. All right. So you have to be able to come up with that line of reasoning. So if the question is to talk about executive orders and whether you think they give it too much power to the president or not enough, if you just write executive orders have given the president power and leave it at that, it's not going to do anything. That's, that's not a, a line of reasoning. Okay, You basically just restated the prompt there. Executive orders have given the president too much power because it allows them to bypass Congress or whatever the line of reasoning is. You have to establish that. You have to be able to put that in there. So be sure uh, you're thinking about this. Once again, please look. Then there are some templates out there. There's a template on our e class page and our Google Drive uh, for this. So you can take a look at some of the different uh, examples and scenarios. So please take a look at that. But please get that thesis in. And I know I've spent uh, almost two minutes harping on this. But once again, if you don't get that in there, you don't get the point or the points for the most of the rest of your paper or the uh, prompt four. Okay. The next thing it's going to ask you to do typically is to provide evidence from one of the foundational documents listed in the question to support the claim. So they're going to give you a list of three. You have to use one of them. All right. So you have to use one of them. So you get a pick, but you have to use one of them like I've said throughout the series of podcasts you don't have to quote from it but you'd have to know the general ideas of each of the documents so just be sure you have kind of a working understanding of them and are able to use them in your paper so provide evidence from there and then the second thing is to provide evidence from a second foundational document or from knowledge of course concepts to support the claim so you might go back into the list if you feel comfortable with both or two items from the list, then use both of them by all means. If you don't feel comfortable with but one of them, then use that one and then find something else from your course knowledge. It's a court case. It's a um, an act, Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, just pull from the court, I mean, from the, the course and uh, use that. Then you have to use reasoning to explain why the evidence supports the claim. So, you're circling back to your thesis now. Here's my line of reasoning. And this is why th- these pieces of evidence supported my, my claim. So I've made a claim about executive orders giving the president too much power because I've then used this document and this document and they support my line of reasoning because. All right. So you're constantly having to kind of explain yourself. Uh, and then finally, <clears throat> you could see this. It might not. Uh, it's I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but you might have to respond to an opposing or alternative perspective using refutation, concession, or rebuttal. So basically, they want you to take a look at the other side here, and you can choose whatever you want to do, you know, if you want to concede your points and say, well, you know, other people think this or whatever it might be, but you do, you might have to do this. So read this question carefully. Be sure you're doing everything they want you to do. Take your time. Um, The question is always, should I label? A, B, C, D, because for the, for one, two, and three, you can label A, here's my answer, B, here's my answer, C, here's my answer. I've seen it both ways. I've seen some people say, hey, you get you should label this A, B, C, D. Other people say you shouldn't. For me, as someone who's read these things, I like having them labeled out. That way I know where, I, where you're trying to put your information, okay? Uh, and if it makes you feel better, then label it, and then go back and erase the A, B, C, D for this one. Or one, two, and three, you can leave it in there. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> for this one, you know, it might depend on the reader uh, of who's reading it. So <clears throat> whatever you feel comfortable with? Uh, the main thing we're looking for is your content. Uh, and did you give me that thesis with a defensible claim? Did you give me the two pieces of evidence? Did you use reasoning to support your evidence and your claim? And then did you wrap it up? So that's the main stuff we're looking for. When we read these things, uh, don't get caught up with the, the labeling or not labeling <clears throat> or whatever it might be. I feel like whenever I do these things, my voice starts to go and I have to cough and I apologize for coughing through, through these things. So, uh, all right, guys, that is the exam format. Uh, went a little bit longer than I meant to there, harping on the argumentative essay. Uh, and I apologize for that. <clears throat> but uh, best of luck if this is the last one you're listening to. If it's the first one you're listening to, still best of luck. Uh, and as always, reach out to me if you need me. I want to help you, and I want to answer your questions if I need to. All right, guys, take care, and good luck, and bye-bye.